It was last year while on sabbatical that um, I just had this sense that we were to dig into the book of Hebrews. And uh, we've been there since like, pretty much since last fall. We're not done. We're going to be with it for a while more. I've been a little bit disrupted while I've been gone and through the summer in different places. And I'm thankful for the men who stepped up and uh, filled the pulpit. Well, while I was gone, I was, um, and I don't know, I maybe mentioned this to you last week. I know I mentioned it to somebody since being back. But at one house where we sat with the people in Vienna, the, one of the main leaders uh, sat with their family and had a, a meal in their home and uh, got to talking with her husband and uh, describing our church and everything. And, and uh, he was concerned about the men in our church, about you know, what's happening with the men and, and what happens when I'm gone as far as preaching. And to be able to say to him two things. Number one, while I'm gone all these times, God has men who sit in our church who are able to step into the pulpit and manage the word. Uh, that's just an honor to be able to, to know that that happens. And so I'm thankful to each of you, I see who here, who have at some point in this summer you have filled the pulpit while I've been gone. Thank you so very, very much. Um, and I know God has used you in that. Um, that's the one thing. The second thing was to be able to say with absolute sincerity to him, because of the people that are here, to be able to say, um, here's the truth. If I drop dead on, uh, today, if the plane went down on the way home from Vienna, that church would not miss a beat because God has raised up leaders and, and men and women who are very, very capable, and, and they would move forward. It is not dependent upon me. And uh, so I'm just very thankful for that. But um, we're back here. We're back in the book of Hebrews. And there's been this little bit of a, uh, of a time while I, was, while I was gone. But we come today to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. We read this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh... And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with, true, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Father, bless our time here. May your spirit teach us, transform us into Christ's likeness as we contemplate your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we have a group of men who are packing up camp right now. Some are already on the road. They're coming back from Trout Lake. It was another great week. And I uh, was glad to have Evan there. He got to see it for, the, for his first time and build some relationships with our men and, and with uh, some of the young people that are in his youth ministry. It was another good time. This is the kind of thing that happens at a place when men are together like this. Uh, two things. One, we learned on this trip that Rick Smith is the magic man when it comes to ice cream. Somehow when Rick's around, people give ice cream away, all right? It happened again yesterday as we went to get our ice cream, and uh, pretty soon this lady's wanting to give us extra ice cream. So we thank Rick for that because it seems to work with him. But the other thing that, that happened is I was uh, engaged in a conversation with one, with one man, 
and uh, I was going to be leaving shortly. And so just kind of wanted to get a few more minutes with him. And he said to me, this has been wonderful. He said, I needed this weekend. He said, I actually was fading away. And after hearing these men and seeing them in the Word together and um, listening to them share their stories, he said, I now know what I got to do when I get back. And I know that I've just become complacent in some things. And it's time to get back and take seriously these things that we've considered. That's just a wonderful thing that happens when men are together and they're in the Word together. And so uh, I want to encourage you with that. And um, it, it, it was good. But one of the things that I heard also while there is we got to talk, and I don't remember where the context was, we got to talking about cars, and somebody mentioned the, the car that somebody has restored that sits along Highway 59 near Farm Fleet thing, and, and I kind of vaguely remembered it, and I said, is that car kind of black? And he said, well, it's black, but it's got kind of like this brownish, bronzish thing to it, and it's like, really, I could not picture it. I've driven by it how many times? So, this morning I had to run to Thief River and coming back and I looked specifically for that vehicle because of this conversation and sure enough, this car that I've driven by all these times, I now understand what he was talking about, the color on it that I never picked up because I'd become intentional, become intentional to look at this and what exactly am I seeing here? Well, I had read... And been, I don't know how many times, how many times I would have read the book of Hebrews by the time we came to preparing for this. Don't know how many times I'd been through these passages. But in becoming intentional now about, there's some things that, that I have to make sure I have under my belt here. So when we step into the pulpit and becoming intentional and in looking at them, new things begin to become clear to me. We've been calling this series, the entire series, Timeless Certainties for Uncertain Times. And in the next, I hope, in the next few weeks, that will become clear to us again that the writer to the Hebrews is writing to a group of people not real certain about this commitment to Jesus Christ. Feels uncertain for them. But today, for the next three weeks... We've called this, this little section within here, we've titled it, Two Get You Three. Two Get You Three. See, there are, there are two foundational things that we see here. And out of it, the writer is going to bring three applications very directly. One application about what should be happening internally. One application about our, our direct connection to the Lord. And another application about our relationship with each other. So structurally, we can see that. But there's something else that I have been referring to as we move through these last chapters. Hoping you'd be patient with me as we dug into them. We spent a lot of weeks, and I referred to them as halfway through chapter 6 to about halfway through chapter 10. Four chapters that are solid doctrine. There's no exhortation in them anywhere. Well, then looking carefully now, like seeing the color on that vehicle for the first time, I've come to understand something structurally. I've told you about those four. I just want to throw in one other thing because we're going to move on from here, but I want you to see it. I hope it's the kind of thing that sticks with you. So when you're reading Hebrews for yourself, you go, oh, I see this. 
So I want you to think in terms of those four chapters, halfway through six, halfway through ten, solid doctrine about Christ and his work on the cross and the new covenant. All doctrine. But prior to that, there's doctrine plus exhortation. And coming out of that, there's exhortation plus doctrine. And I want you to see how the before and after are linked. So if you think of this pulpit area as the solid doctrine, there's something leading in in chapter 6. There's something coming out in chapter 10. I just want to share it with you from a structural way. Look at it. See it. Then we're going to go on coming back to this text. Are you okay with that? So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to back up just briefly to chapter 6. And I want to pick it up. This is just prior to breaking into the doctrine. So it's right where it connects here, if you will. Verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now there's... Three things that show up there as he's about to jump into the solid doctrine that he picks up with later. The phrase full assurance, and I'm not going to be real detailed here. The phrase full assurance, the concept of faith and hope, full assurance in faith and hope that are ours to have in chapter 10. And then this idea he says here in verse 11, don't become sluggish. Here, he's going to encourage us to hold on, to walk with faith, to enter in so that we don't let this thing go because they're feeling some uncertain times and it'd be easy to let it go. So I'll let you explore those things more for yourselves. But where he connected to this is the same similar themes that he disconnects from as he moves on because I want to then move on. Are you okay with that? Is that enough for you to search it out for yourselves? If I haven't made it clear, I'm just looking at a clock. I want to come back to chapter, chapter 10, verse 19. Now, our text for today, we got up to here, we jumped over, we're now leaving. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. That's the two. Therefore, you've all heard it. When you see it, therefore, you ask, what's it there for? What's it pointing back to? He says, therefore, and he gives us effectively a summary statement of everything he's been saying for the last four chapters. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? That we can now boldly come into the holiest. Remember what the holiest is? We, we looked at it. We had the kids up here one morning. And we said that with the tabernacle, there's the first part you enter into, and then there's the part that had, that, had the, uh, that had the ark and the mercy seat on it. The priest went in there only once a year, and only after he'd done washings and all of these cleansings first. Okay? And outside of there was the altar of incense. There was a veil between the two. There was this altar of incense. And earlier we had read in those four chapters that this was indicating that the way into the Holy of Holies had not yet been made complete. For all those years, it hadn't been there. And now he says, having therefore boldness to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's saying the way in has been made. 
Now there is a way in there. We can now enter freely into that. How can we do that? What happened? That What changed that allows us to now enter freely into God's presence? Move in there where the high priest could only go once a year. The other priest could not go. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. This new and living way. He made it available. What? When he offered his flesh, his body on the cross. This is the new covenant. Early on, if you will remember, we said there were two immutable things. One of them was a new covenant, a better covenant. And here, that's just a, this is a summary statement on that. Because for four chapters, he worked it through real hard. It's a summary statement on that. By the blood of Christ, referencing it here to his flesh, which he now says that was like the veil that separated the two. Now his flesh has been poured out, broken for us, his blood poured out. Now a way has been made into the holiest. We can enter boldly. Having that, on the one hand, this new covenant with Christ has made through his blood and having a high priest over the house of God. That was the second thing. A better covenant and a better high priest. These are the two things that are unchangeable, which is why we are able to refer to them as um, um, timeless certainties for uncertain times. These things don't change. He referred to these things as being immutable. And now he gives a summary statement about them. And out of that, see, that's the two, he now makes three other statements of application. And we're back to applying these truths. You with me? Do you see that structurally? I want you to grasp this structure first, and then we can understand it. Because if you get that structure, this book will, some of this book will stay with you the rest of your life. That's why I'm kind of hitting on that a little bit. Okay? All right. So, having a high priest over the house of God. Two things. New covenant, better covenant, better high priest. Now, the application comes back. And we're only going to deal with the first one today. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. See, that's, that's one of the things that the, that the people he's writing to, they're starting to draw away. They're starting to step back. They're deciding that, you know, maybe this suffering for Jesus, which we have just heard this morning in some countries, is very, very real. We're not that familiar with it, although it may be coming our way. This kind of thing is not, you know, it kind of leaves you questioning. Do you know, I really want to go further with this? Have I kind of had enough? And he says, look, we have two things that are immutable, unchanging. They are the absolute foundation that we can draw near. We now enter in. We go closer to God. We move into the Holy of Holies. We don't draw back, but we move in. Let us draw near, and notice this, with a true heart. In full assurance of faith. I want to come back to that true heart issue. But he says, believing. Absolute full assurance. He left us with the question of full assurance in chapter 6 that we looked at earlier. This concept of full assurance. We can believe this. It is something that we can absolutely stand on. Think about this, friends. Really, what else do we have? What else do you have in your life? 
What do you have in your life that absolutely 100%, it's immutable, it will not change, it will always be there, it will always be true, and it will sustain you through every single thing in life, ultimately. What else do we have? What do we have? We can get caught up in so many things and think this is where it is at. Whether it's our possessions, whether it's our wealth, whether it's a position that we have, something in the, in the community, something where we work, something uh, even within the church, our position within the church, if we feel like we've got, I'm an important person in my church. Being an important person in your church, God has a role for us there that isn't going to sustain you. We can't sustain anyone, we as people. We're going to let you down, right? What is it? that does not change and is foundational. It is what we have in Jesus Christ. A new covenant, a better high priest. This we then can come to with a true heart and full assurance. And he says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What was that all about? What he's doing, he's picking up on the imagery of those four chapters we were just... We were just in. We are, we're not going to recount them again. Go back and look at them. But those four chapters, and he's referring to what that old system was like. Because for the priests, and he had references, for the priests to do their ministry, for the high priest to do the once-a-year thing, what did they have to do? They had to go through all sorts of washings. They had to kill animals. They had to sprinkle blood. All of these things were just to prepare them to be able to do these earthly ministrations within the tabernacle. All of that had to take place. And yet none of it was effective to deal with their sin. It was just a covering until Christ came with the new covenant, the better high priest, who made a way into the Holy of Holies. But he says, here's what we need. It's not just just this idea of we go through all of these physical things and boom and it becomes very routine we do it and kill the animals sprinkle the water all of this stuff wash our hands because there were basins there for washing it's not that we just do that he's saying with this new covenant we're talking about an internal change this is what's happening our lives are beginning to change we are being made into Christ's likeness At the end of chapter 10, I'm not going to ask you to turn there. I'd like you just to listen. See if this works for us. The very end of this thing on doctrine said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. This is what needs to be happening, friends. This thing that we have is to be transforming us. He says, this is what we draw near for and with. Hearts that we go, you know what? Something needs to change here. God, I need you to do this work in my life. And he gently reveals things to us like the man who said, you know what? I see I've been, some things have been getting a little skew in my life. I know I've got to take some steps to put them back in order right now. All right? Guy sharing that yesterday. Um, this is, this is what needs to happen. The gospel is not just something that we, uh, we can proclaim. Hey, Jesus saved me. Everything's good. We go on about our lives the same way. He's saying, no, look. 
enter in and let God change us. Let God transform us. That's his goal, is to make us into Christ-likeness so that our hearts, our, our hearts are transformed. They're sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How we use our bodies, what it is we, we yield them to are things that are good and pleasing to God, not in the old ways of our old life. So that's what needs to happen. That's what we're about. This is the first application. It's an internal application. Two will get you three. These two things, unchangeable, a better covenant and a better high priest, we now are under something that's transforming. The first thing is that we need to change. And that's why I find it intriguing that he says, let us draw near, come into God's presence, with a true heart. With a true heart. Scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. We will think of a thousand excuses not to change. We will think of a thousand excuses to justify our own sin, to say why it really isn't that big of an issue, or I was right in, you know, in going off in that anger, or I'm right in my prejudice, or I'm, I'm right in the fact that I'm thieving from my boss because uh, he doesn't pay me enough. Whatever it is, we can think of a thousand reasons to justify our sin. And the writer to the book of Hebrews says, look, come into the presence of God with a true heart, and let's get honest about what's happening here because we need to be changed on the inside. That's the first application. This new covenant we just read. It's about he's going to write it in our hearts. I will make with them, uh, the covenant I will make with them says, Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. That's what needs to be happening, friends. Isn't that a wonderful thing that God wants to change us internally? But it's only going to happen if we're, if, as we step into his presence and he begins to bring the work of the Holy Spirit and his word upon our lives to begin to point out to us, hey, there's, a, there's an area here I really want to get hold of for you and I want to transform this so that you'll be more like Christ in this area. But if we go, I don't need to change. I'm fine. Don't go there, Lord. I'm not letting you in. That's not coming with a true heart. <laughs> We're going to remain in the deception of our hearts. And sometimes what we do one of, the, one of the things that we, that we can do, we come to Christ, we're all excited because I'm born again, I'm saved, God loves me, we buy into that. One of the mis- mistakes that we make, and I did this horribly as a new believer in sharing Christ with people. Man, you come to Christ, your life's going to be perfect, everything's going to be great, everything's going to be good, because I was in that moment that everything is good, look what God has done. But over time, you begin to realize, oh, guess what, we still have struggles, this dark world is still trying to crush Christians. I mean, we just, Heather shared something. Uh, Trent prayed about it, right? That there are believers who are under great persecution. Everything doesn't get easy just because we came to Christ. And sometimes the fact that everything isn't easy, we begin to think God doesn't care. God's not there. If he is there, he doesn't love me. His plan, his concept, doesn't work. It's no good. And what we wind up doing is questioning God. We question Him. 
We question his motives. We question his work. We question his redemptive processes. We question what it is he's trying to do with us. He's telling us what he's trying to do with us. He's trying to make us whole in Jesus Christ. And sometimes that means he's going to allow some difficult things to shape us. We're like, no, I don't want those difficult things. And then we begin to turn in anger towards God. We begin to blame him for the problems. This life isn't worth it. Why would I continue to follow Jesus if this is what it gets me? God, you've given me a raw deal. And so we turn from him. But you know, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. The problem on this whole relating truth to who we are and what's happening in our life, the problem is not with God. He's not the one who is the problem. He's the one seeking to transform the problem, and that's us. But he's not the problem. So we need to come with a true heart. And that's, a, that's a somewhat of a growth factor, friends, to come to that place where we're able to say, Lord, you are the good one. You are the one always looking out for my benefit. You are the one always seeking to make me into Christ's image. You are calling me out of the darkness, out of the brokenness, out of the yuck that is in this world system. You are calling me to yourself to draw near to you so you can make me whole. But sometimes, Lord, I don't like the process or I want to hang on to the sin. And that's where we need to get honest with God. And that's why we need a true heart. It says, Lord, you know, um, I'm not sure uh, that that I'm at that place yet. I maybe am fighting you on this one. But what I found God gracious in ministering, at least in my own experience, is to be able to say to him, to get honest with him to this degree, Lord, here's where I'm at. It's not that great of a place to be, and I'm not sure I want to change. So give me the heart to change. Because I'm trying to be honest here. (laughs) Right now, it isn't all feeling that great. So here's where I'm at, Lord. And the truth is, I'm fighting with you. I'm struggling with you. I don't want to go that way. But Lord, if you will change my heart. Isn't that what he said at the end of just that last doctrinal part? I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds. Lord, I need that. And we can embrace that. Because if we think we're just going to say, okay, I got this issue here. I'm not doing very well. I'm going to knuckle down and do it better. We will fail. Because I can't knuckle down and do it better. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I don't have the natural inclination. I need God to transform me. And if I will come to him with a true heart that says, Lord, I am not getting it done. I need you to work in me. He is faithful to that. And he will do that. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you desire to call us to yourself out of darkness and to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this magnificent new covenant in his blood, through his flesh. The veil has been torn open. We can come into your presence, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you for this high priest who sits at your right hand, who advocates on our behalf. Thank you for that blessing. These are unchangeable, Father. What needs to change is us. And Lord, give us the strength and the courage to be truthful with you and honest with you about what needs 
to change as you reveal that to us by your spirit and by your word. And we'll yield ourselves to your transforming work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.